following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, September 25th, 2022, on the basis of Luke 16, verses 1 through 13. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. When it comes to money, we tend to speak out of both sides of our mouth, or at least I do. After a big purchase, or a spontaneous one maybe, and usually not the smartest purchase that I will ever make, I tend to justify the purchase by saying, ah, it's, it's just paper, or I can't take it when we, with me when I go, so I'm, I might as well use it now. After all, this could end up being the best purchase that I will ever make. And then that opinion about money quickly changes. After out of nowhere, my car breaks down. I forget about a plane ticket that I have to buy. And I forget about my rent payment or some other type of payment that's coming up. Money is a tricky subject because we hear that it can't buy us happiness, but it could buy me that new car that I need. It could offer me a nice and comfortable retirement. It could put food on the table. It can give me influence wherever I want influence. And because of that, we tend to do whatever we can to get more of that money. It's easy to get caught on either side of the pendulum. Either we don't care about money enough and we treat it like it's just paper, or we tend to treat money with too much value, doing anything we can to get more. And as we focus on Jesus' words this morning, he offers us a harsh reminder. Some more of those words that cut us to the heart. He reminds us that we are simply managers of what God has given us. And all too often, we forget who our master truly is. Jesus reminds us of this this morning in the form of a parable, which he directs not to the Pharisees, not to the tax collectors, but he directs to his disciples. He directs to us. And in this parable, Jesus tells of a man who mismanaged his master's wealth and was about to be fired, but the guy was smart. He came up with a plan and he, he went to each of his master's debtors. He cut their debts significantly so that after he was fired, he would have a roof over his head, clothes on his back, and food on the table. And surprisingly, the master doesn't condemn the man. He actually commends him. He says, wow, how you were smart. You were shrewd with my money, you were shrewd in creating a better future for yourself. And Jesus does not commend the dishonest manager. He doesn't congratulate him on wasting his master's wealth, but he does point out a troubling and harsh truth. That all too often the people of this world are better at managing and being clever with their money, being shrewd with their money, than Jesus' own followers. And when you think about it, don't we find that to be true? As harsh as it, as harsh as it is. I mean, think of the world's wealthiest people. I mean, when I think of them, if I were to list them off to you and tell you that a majority, if not all of them, were not Christians, would you be surprised? I know I wouldn't. And God isn't telling us that it is a sin to be poor. In fact, 
most of the time, God is telling us how much harder it is for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. But Jesus is pointing out that troubling truth, that money is a powerful tool and a powerful gift that God gives us. And all too often, we squander that wealth or do not act truly with it. Now, even if you aren't a top one percenter and looking around the room, I feel like I can say pretty confidently that nobody in here is. That does not mean that God has not given us the gift of wealth. In fact, did you know that if you make $20,000 a year, that you are in the top 90% of wealthiest people on the earth? God gives us plenty to manage. But do we manage it well? Do we manage it like the top one percenters of the world? Or do we tend to treat money like it is just paper? Do we tend to mismanage it or even waste it, forgetting who our master is? And it's true that at the end, that in the end, our bank accounts will be zero. In a way, it is true that money is just paper. But even the world understands this. And it doesn't stop them from being smart with their money, investing it, doing things in order to get more and taking care of it. And Jesus' point, or one of the points that Jesus is trying to make with this parable is that he wants us to act more like the unjust manager and taking care of our money, acting shrewd with it, being clever with it. And yes, like I was saying, we can't take money with us when we die. It's not like our bodies. Money will not have any use in heaven. It's not going to go with us when we rise from the grave. But God does point out that money is a powerful tool, a tool that we can use to serve him. And God doesn't give us this gift to squander it, to waste it. No, God gives us the gift to manage it, to act shrewdly, shrewdly with it, to take care of it. Jesus points out that the world understands this, and he wants us to understand it too. But Jesus also wants us to understand that there is a way in which he wants us to act nothing like the world. As much as Jesus tells us to act like the world, he also says to act nothing like them at all. And that's because even though the world understands the powerful tool that money is, it is also very clear that the world serves a very different master. They serve themselves. So maybe you aren't bad at managing your money. Maybe you are good. Maybe you're not. But no matter what, we, we can look at money and we can see it as the powerful tool that it is. And there's a temptation to look at money and see everything that it can offer us and to say, money might be more powerful than God. After all, look what money can offer me in the here and now. It gives me instant gratification. And the world sees this. They see the short time that they have on earth, and, and they take advantage of it. They, they don't serve God, but they see, they act like the shrewd manager who only had temporal goals in mind, who is only trying to get instant gratification, who is only looking for what money could do for him then and now. So it's no wonder that the world is so good at managing their money because they know they can't take it with them. They're obsessed with that instant gratification that money can give them. They treat 
money as a master. They use money in service of money. And what does that money as master offer them? I could come up with an endless list of problems that the pursuit of money, the service of money has caused. Wars, poverty, corruption, depression, the list goes on. There's a reason that the term or the phrase for tracking corruption is follow the money because corruption is almost always a result of the pursuit of money. Solomon mentioned some other results that come from the pursuit of money. Uh, we read in the first reading for this morning, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. All their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. Do you ever fall into the trap of serving money? Do you ever want to follow the money? Have you ever sacrificed family time, assets, sleep, relationships, or even church in the pursuit of a better paycheck? Do you ever forget which master gave you all that money in the first place? And you can see what I mean about getting caught on either side of the pendulum. And in this case, when we care about money too much, we only see what it can offer us in the here and now. And we see that money is a powerful tool. And we often fail to use it to serve the right master. And while money is a powerful tool to use here on earth, in a way, it is just paper. And when we look at ourselves, we see that we too often serve the wrong master and we forget that we can't take it with us when we die. And master as, or money as master may be able to serve you a lot on this earth, but we forget that it cannot offer us anything after life. It cannot offer us forgiveness of sins. It cannot offer us salvation. It cannot offer us eternal life. And that is why money is not the master worth serving. But we see that there is a master who is worth serving, a master who offers so much more, a master who gives us all things to begin with. And that master is God, a God who offers not war, poverty, depression, but a master who continually pardons our sins. And we look at what God has given us. Why, wouldn't, why would we be surprised if God were to say to us, you're fired? Why wouldn't God just take away all that we have and say, this is mine and you have mismanaged it? And when we look at ourselves, we see that that is the case. All too often we do mismanage what God gives us. All too often we squander the gifts and the blessings that God has given us in our lives. And yet, God doesn't fire us. God doesn't take away all that he has given us. God doesn't immediately sentence us to what we deserve. Instead, God offers what money never could. God offers us eternal life. God offers us salvation. God offers us forgiveness 
of sins. It's a little better than uh, corruption, depression, anxiety. It's a little better than that. Over and over again, God shows us why he is the master that is worth serving. And he doesn't just show us why he's the master we're serving, but he gives us the means to serve him as well. Let's listen again to what Jesus told us today and after he had told the parable. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. In contrast to the world, who serves money for self in order to gain a better future on this earth, Jesus tells us exactly how we can use money. He says we can use money to serve God by serving others. And that's not just going to give you a better life here on earth. It's going to offer a better eternity for yourself and for all your friends. I mean, imagine the scenario as you get to heaven and you are welcomed by someone you've never even seen before, but they tell you, because of that offering you gave, a missionary was able to come to my village and tell me about the good news of Christ. What an incredible thing that would be to hear as he welcomes an eternal friend because of something that you did for him. Or even with your immediate friends and family, because of your generosity and the way that you act with your hospitality, somebody sees something different in you and they want to know more about it. So they come to church. Money doesn't just offer a better worldly life, but it also offers things that we can do for others to welcome them into eternal life or for them to welcome us into heaven. And maybe because of somebody like that, somebody who is generous and very had great hospitality, you are in church today because you saw something different about Jesus' disciple. And in a way, Jesus is telling us to make an investment. An investment on something that offers a far better return than any stock or jackpot ever could. An investment that offers your friends, family, and other people to hear about the good news. To hear about the gospel. To hear what Jesus has done for them. Yes, money may be able to offer you a lot on this earth. But Jesus tells us to remember who your master is. And he tells us exactly how to serve him. So at the end of the day, maybe money is just paper. It may be that money can't go with us when we die, but money is a powerful tool which God gives us to serve him and others. Let's use that tool to serve our gracious master who offered the ultimate sacrifice in service to you. Amen.